Welcome back from our lovely intro song. I hope that you're happy to be here. This is the third and final episode in this little series of mysterious disappearances. Um, whoop whoop. We were talking about uh, New Year's resolutions. Um, and I, as uh, somebody who forgets her purpose a lot, have a note card that I wrote nice. down. Um, and so we were talking about resolutions. And a lot of mine are things like, fun activities I want to do because my tendency is when I get bogged down, I lose creativity on fun and interesting activities that I know I enjoy. I have too many hobbies or no hobbies. There's no in between. Um, so I'm working on kind of finding some central ones because I am now able to have hobbies once again. Um, so one of them is I'm working on my sewing repertoire um, a lot so I can make fun cosplays such as I saw a cow made today and I would wow I want to be a cow maid so it'd be really nice to be able to be like I want to be a cow maid and whip myself up a cow maid costume yeah eh that would be cute cute um and then also to finish um you know I, I I'm pretty good about working out I'm pretty good at eating okay uh but I had started doing this thing called tales on trails which is taking your dog on hikes around Georgia oh. state parks uh, it's really adorable. She has a bandana and I have a shirt that matches the bandana. <laughs> um, and so Scully and I are going to go walk in the woods with our matching bandanas and shirts. And I need to mark off, I think, six more state parks before I can officially be done with that. So we're going to, we're going to go a lot of different places, actually. We've got, some, and I think I'm going to make like weekend trips of it because you can get uh, little cabins that dogs are allowed into. Cute. Um, so I have a dream of, you know, going to a cute little cabin with Scully, maybe bringing a friend too, because they're two bedroom cabins. Nice. Uh, so I can at least bring one other person <laughs> and force them to hike on a trail with me and love me. <laughs> so well, that's the I'm idea. Out. <laughs> no, you love me. You just don't say it. Shh. <laughs> you cannot force me to hike. I refuse. Yeah, but you love me. <laughs> Outdoors. <laughs> yeah, but the love is there, and I only barely had to force that. And <laughs> Morgan, what happened to kayaking? And that's okay. That's uh, that's okay outdoors. Oh, okay. I was gonna that's say you different. can go hike. You can go kayaking while I go hiking. I almost Bentley called it hike hacking. <laughs> um, so I will much. take. I'll take Bentley and Scully on a hike. You go kayaking. Bentley hates the water so much that when we tried to get him to swim with us, when I took Kat and Austin to Lake Allen Henry, he growled at me when I went to go pick him up to put him in the car because he thought I was going to put him Aww, back in the water. Baby. <laughs> Aww, sweet baby. Scully goes into the ocean. Yeah. Scully and I will run into the ocean in the middle of winter. Well, um. we'll have to see one day if Bentley will follow Scully into the ocean. Yeah, Scully he loves might, the ocean. Or another dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. My brother's dog tries to eat sea foam 
which I think is the most hilarious <laughs> thing. Funny. We're also, you know, I want to take Scully to the beach more often. I live 20 minutes or less from a beach, but it's not dog friendly. So I do have to go to the hour away oh, dog friendly beach. Oh no, such a tragedy. I have to drive mm-hmm. to South Carolina. Uh, <laughs> but dog, dog people problems. I know. But there's also one um, that's a little bit further south from me that is like a drift, like a driftwood beach. And it's beautiful. And I want to mm-hmm. force someone to take pictures of me and Scully uh, on that beach because it's very like spooky with sort of these jagged driftwood trees coming up out of the sand. And I want black and white pictures where we look spooky, but also adorable. I got you. So I got you. These are all written on this. <laughs> so, yeah. If I had written anything down on a note card, um, Bentley would have eaten it already. Yeah, it lives. Then they'd on... be like, why aren't you doing your resolution? To be like, my dog ate my resolution. <laughs> it lives next to my um, lobster corgi. <gasps> that's cute. And that's nice. how I know where it is. It's a little squishy corgi that's dressed up as a lobster. Anyway, (laughs) so we're talking about mysterious disappearances. Uh, Mine's a little bit of a downer, but I'm going to try to make it less of a downer by coming up with a lovely fairy tale ending. Okay. Hopefully someone will help contribute to said fairy tale ending. We'll figure it out. Um, There's a prince. Choose your own fairy tale ending. Uh, We'll see. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Barbara Newhall Follett. Born March 4th, 1914, was an American child prodigy novelist. Ooh, Wild, no right? Okay, so she was born in Hanover, New Hampshire, uh, to Wilson Follett, who was a literary editor, critic, and university lecturer, and a children's writer, and Helen Thomas Follett, uh, who doesn't have any information about what she does, but I'm imagining she was an incredibly accomplished lady and had her own life and purpose, but they did not put that down here. So, yeah, Um, she had an elder half-sister named Grace uh, from her father's first marriage, as well as a younger sister, Sabra Follett, uh, who later took the name uh, Meservey, M-E-S-E-R-V-E-Y, Meservey, who ended up being the first woman to be admitted as a graduate student to Princeton University in 1961. Just a fun fact. Neat. so she was she was homeschooled by her mother, and Barbara at an early age showed an aptitude for reading and writing and wrote her own poetry by the age of four. Um, Barbara was an imaginative and intelligent child. Uh, when she was seven, she was able to put um, onto paper her own emerit- imaginary world, which she called Farksolia, and developed a language called Farksu that they spoke in Farksolia, which I think is really cute. cute. Um, she was uh, very much a sort of natural nature child. She liked being outside and she liked writing things that had to do with the wilderness um, and sort of the natural world around her, which I think is very nice. I imagine she was one of those kids that was mm-hmm. outdoor kids, you know, just like spent all their days outside. Um, which really I- contradicts being a writer. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm imagining this very cottage core, like, I go outside and sit by the babbling brook and write poetry yeah. kind of thing, you know? I can I can go outside and sit by the dry, sandy part of the Red <laughs> River. I also, they're also in um, the <laughs> north. Is the Brazos? What runs through down there? I don't yeah. remember. They're also up north, the so Brazos. they probably have fewer uh, horrible mm-hmm. bugs. Um and it's probably less like heinously yeah. hot. Um, 
So I'm imagining it's slightly more Trudette. pleasant than say Lubbock Summers, <laughs> you know? So Trudette. Yeah, so in 1923, when she was eight years old, she began writing The Adventures of Eppership, later titled The House Without Windows, as a birthday present for her mother, using a small portable typewriter she was given. The story was about a girl named Epersip, uh, E-E-P-E-R-S-I-P, who runs away from home, and she lives happily in nature with her animal friends. Um, Unfortunately, that manuscript no. burned in a house fire, but she rewrote the entire story with the help of her father. I know it's very sad, uh, but she rewrote it with the help of her father at the publishing house, and then it was accepted into publication in 1927, Ooh. which would make her, being born in 1914, like oh 12, 13, first published work. It was incredibly successful, um, uh, and it was released to critical acclaim in the New York Times, the Saturday Review, and other publications that would blah, 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 talk about different literary bits. So this is an amazing child. Um, her next uh, novel was called The Voyage of Norman D, and was based on her experience as uh, on a coastal schooner in Nova Scotia, you know, as young teens yes. do. Um, it was published later that year uh, in 1928, one year later, you know, from her previous thing. So she's still like a young yeah. teen. Um, and it also received critical acclaim in many literary publications. Um, however, later that year, her father abandoned her mother for another woman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it was a devastating blow to her uh, as a young teen. Um, she was deeply attached to her father. She was a daddy's girl. And this was something that really just damaged her. Um, she was uh, basically at that point her life and career ret met like a stalemate where that just stopped everything um uh, apparently her family also began to fall into harm hard times at the age of 16 the great depression was deepening so perfect timing yeah. woo, woo, woo. um she was uh, working as a secretary in new york city she wrote several more manuscripts um but nothing really led to the same acclaim that she had as a young child. Um, in the summer of 1931, she was on the Appalachian Trail, um, and she met Nickerson Rogers. Um, she spent the summer of 1932 on the Appalachian Trail with him. She sailed to Spain and Majorca and went through the Swiss Alps. Um, they eventually settled, settled in Massachusetts in 1934. She still wrote, but her work um, no longer gained the favor of publishers. Um, however, after a few years in 1937, she started expressing dissatisfaction with her married life uh, to, in her private letters to her friends. And by the next year, 1938, the cracks were even worse. Um, she soon began, began to believe that Rogers was being unfaithful to her and she began to be incredibly mm -hmm. depressed, um, which is totally understandable given her history. So according to her husband, December 7th, 1939, Follett left their apartment after a quarrel with $30 in her pocket, which uh, in today's money is about $550. Okay. But so it's not wow. a lot. Um, but this oh, is that's not a lot. Well, <laughs> this is all the money she took with her to question mark, question mark, question Disappear. mark. Disappear. <laughs> yeah. She was never seen again. Damn. Rogers did not report Follett's disappearance for two weeks, 
claiming he was waiting for her to return. Four months after notifying the police, he requested a missing persons mm -hmm. bulletin mm -hmm. to be issued. As the bulletin was not issued under Follett's married name of Rogers, it went unnoticed by the media, uh, which would not learn of her disappearance until 1966. So between 1939 and 1966, the media did not know she was missing. Wow. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. In 1952, 13 years after Follett disappeared, her mother began insisting that Brookline police investigate the matter more thoroughly. Helen had become suspicious of the husband uh, after mm -hmm. she discovered that he made little effort mm -hmm. to find his wife. In a letter to him, she wrote, All of the silence on your part looks as though if you had something to hide regarding Barbara's disappearance. Uh, you cannot believe that I shall sit idle during my last years and not make whatever effort I can to find out whether uh, Barr is alive or dead, whether perhaps she is in some institution suffering from amnesia or a nervous breakdown. There was no body ever found. There is no evidence uh, suggesting foul play. And the date of the circumstances of her death, if she died, most likely she is dead at this point. I mean, she'd be like yeah. over 100 years old. <laughs> um, they've never been established. So it's mysterious. I like to think that she ran off to a lovely little cottage in the woods and lived a very happy life as a little lady in the woods with a beautiful garden. And that is my fairy tale sure. ending I'm giving her. Um, unfortunately, it sounds, from what I've read, sort of in brief, uh, to me it sounds, I, I kind of get the immediate feeling, um, thanks to true crime, yeah. that her husband did it. That's what I was going to well, yeah. you know. Who, I mean, yeah. who thinks it's normal for their wife to just leave without saying anything? Yeah, and... And to wait two weeks. I'd be like, it's been two hours where are you <laughs> yeah they had an argument and she left with 30 dollars in her pocket and then just never came for two weeks he didn't say well anything. like honestly if i like it if it was an argument i would say next day is plausible yeah i could see that but two weeks is a bit much and like even i'm you know i can be a little bit hot-headed in arguments but if i stormed out of an apartment if we lived together it would like 30 bucks in my pocket well let's say i had I yeah. 500 bucks in my pocket and I didn't contact anyone after 24 hours, I feel like you guys would be like, um... I haven't gotten my... Like, it wouldn't matter how yeah. mad you were. <laughs> you would be like... Something, something's wrong. Well, also that, you know. like, he went and did filed a missing person's report, but didn't include his the married name? It was her... No, That's suspicious. Her name. Why would you not include your married yeah, name? Yeah, right? That's who she is and how people know her. That's, that's what got me. I was like, mm, I don't like that. Yeah. Like, he was trying to hide it yeah. from the media. But yeah, that's the mysterious disappearance of Barbara Newhall Follett. A child nice. prodigy writer. Struck in by tragedy. So. Yeah. What a waste. Yeah, and it's so sad that, you know, everything that happened to her, it's just a very tragic, like, life. So, since she was this sort of, like, prodigy writer... Clearly, she was taken by the fairies. There's for the fairy tale ending. Of Beautiful. Course. That's what happened. Done. Yeah. And she can't come back, or else she'll age so, rapidly and yeah. die. She uh, left at age 25, which I would say is a healthy age. It's pretty to good. Leave, so. Pretty good. And that way, she yeah. can live in her little fairy garden cottage core thing, like that cat said. Done. Yeah. I want her to have a lovely cottage core existence um, until she is done. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Very good. Well, you know, 
I hope that you enjoyed that. If you guys have a theory and it's a nice one, uh, you should send it to us on our <laughs> social media. Or if you've media. heard other theories. Um, I only want Or happy. even... No, if it's not a nice one, I'll open those. Just in the subject, put not a nice theory. <laughs> Don't read Kat. Yeah. And I'll read it. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're her great, great... If you're her granddaughter, I guess it would be. Great granddaughter or something like that. And you have like original manuscripts or, you know, something fun. You could also say that. <laughs> Let us know on our social yeah. medias. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you're not on the yeah. social medias, you can always email us at possiblyhauntedpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Take us and out we to coffee you... and tell us your theories. <laughs> <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed our new uh, series format. This is the end of Ooh. Mysterious Disappearances. Ooh. So definitely come back to see what we have in store for you next. Because even if you were possibly kidnapped by fairies or also possibly murdered by your husband, you could still be possibly haunted. Ooh. Ooh.